to the Revolutionary CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Letitia Lynch, wine lover, brand snob, proud boy mom, and Atlanta-based entrepreneur. When I was laid off from my dream marketing job at eight weeks pregnant, I knew I couldn't rely on corporations to provide me with a stable income. I launched my own business and hit six figures in my first full year. I want to help other female service-based entrepreneurs and coaches build and leverage their brand authority so they can confidently sell their services and programs at a premium price point to create a lasting legacy and generate independent wealth. Tune in every Wednesday for solo episodes and conversations with amazing self-made multi-six and seven-figure women all about marketing, sales, mindset, self-care, entrepreneurship, and motherhood to inspire you and give you actionable steps to successfully market and sell your high-ticket services and programs while having a life. Let's get into it. I am so excited to have my friend, the fabulous Carrie Fitzgerald on the podcast. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here, as you know. Yes. I cannot wait to talk all about how you built up your your product business, your subscription box business. For those of you who don't know, Carrie and I were in a mastermind together. This is how we met. We both decided to change our whole lives last year in 2020. And we became such fast friends. And to see just the transformations we both had is first of all, fascinating. But hearing that you've already had a successful multi six figure business is why I definitely wanted to have you on today. And so let's talk about it. Tell us about how the Dapper Dog Box became a thing for you. Yeah, sure. And yes, I also can attest to the growth that we both had and is funny and also amazing. So I just want to also, yeah. So the Dapper Dog Box really came about in a funny way. And I feel like a lot of times when you hear especially product business stories of like how it got started. It's always like a random story. Like, oh yeah, I was just like sitting at a coffee shop and like I came up with the idea and then it's like a $2 billion company. That's not exactly how mine happened, but it's like not really far off. So I had had a baby seven months prior, moved across the country to California from Boston for my husband's job and just like ended a eight year career in higher education I worked in marketing and sales and higher education. And honestly, I just like wanted to do something different. I had a new baby. I was kind of going through a bit of a transition with that and just wanted something different. I did start interviewing at a few marketing companies and like nothing, nothing was sticking, nothing. It didn't feel right, you know? And then I literally was at the gym doing an arm machine or leg machine, I forget. And like the idea popped into my head. Oh my God, I should do a subscription box business. I had been thinking... Like, I kind of would love to do something on my own. I'm super independent. I'm creative. I have like a decade plus of marketing experience. I'm like, I can do something on my own. And the idea literally popped into my head. And this was in March, 2016. I started thinking about it. Okay, what kind of subscription box would I do? And at first I thought maybe a baby box. Then that slowly transitioned into a dog subscription box because I had, you know, my own dog, Asha, like obsessed with her, always been a dog person. And it just kind of stemmed from there. So literally the idea came in my head in March. By April, I was literally outside at Starbucks, like always Starbucks, literally getting my logo, getting stickers made. Like the business idea started a month later. And then by July, it was launched. So it's kind of like one of those funny stories, but like not really. I was just like a regular person who thought of the idea and 
like for anyone that knows me, I know you do. If I come up with an idea that I'm into, like it's pretty much done. Like there's no, there's no, like I'm either a hundred and million percent in, or I'm not in at all. And so, yeah, I kind of like fell in love with the idea instantly. Like I felt like it was, I don't know, like it sounds weird, but I felt like it was like a gift from the universe. Like this is what you should be doing now. And I like that one day changed my entire life, which is weird. Crazy. And you said, so you never went back to work once you had your kid. Was that always the plan? Were you like, oh, I want to be a stay at home mom. Or were you like, what made you decide not to go back to work? Like it was like, oh, maternity leave. And then you just were like, I'm never going back. (laughs) No, no. And I never wanted to stay home with never. Yeah, me either. That's not my thing. And, you know, kudos to the people who do that. I think it's amazing, but that just wasn't for me. I've always been a career person. So I worked in higher education and I basically got paid to travel the world and recruit international students. So it was like my dream job when I was in my 20s. And, you know, at at some, my husband also traveled at the time. So he was traveling for his job. He was a consultant. So we both were traveling all this time. And when we found out that I was pregnant, we were living in Boston and we kind of like had to make some changes. So I didn't want to leave my job, but they wouldn't let me work remotely. Okay. And so we actually moved to Florida for a few months. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know why we did that. I think I just, I think I was just like ready for a change in life. I don't know. So we both couldn't have our traveling job. So I agreed I agreed to leave mine only because my company wouldn't let me work remotely. I was managing a team of five people and it just, they thought like that presence had to be in the office to manage the team and stuff. So I thought, okay, I'll just take a few months off and then I'll find something else. Like I never, I planned to go back to a marketing job. And again, like what spiraled into me starting my own business and then literally changing my whole life. It just, it worked out. It's funny how that stuff happens organically. Cause at the time I was so upset about my company, not letting me work remotely but like, we couldn't stay in Boston. Like my parents lived in Florida. We had no help. My husband's parents lived in India. So I felt like we just didn't have much of a choice. Although in hindsight, like we did have a choice. I just feel like, I don't know. Things happen. You need happen the right one for your family, right? Like, yeah. I feel like there are, thank goodness, like we are privileged to be able to have choices and make choices, but you clearly made the right one for your family and you love living in Washington. So that's amazing. So yeah. you started this, this subscription box business. Tell me about the early days of it. Like what were some of the things you did early on in that business that clearly, I know it didn't work well because you did make some shifts. So tell us about the things that you did early on that did not work out. So many things. I think one thing I can say like a few mistakes I made, there's multiple mistakes that I made throughout the entire business, which were not investing in like a coach or a mentor, not finding a community, like not having a mastermind group to join or some sort of community. I felt very isolated with that business. I felt Mm -hmm. like I never had anyone to ask questions to or get feedback from. And I didn't know about like masterminds and things like that. So I felt very isolated at the time, which was not a good feeling, which is why in my current business, everything I do is like, I join group programs. I join masterminds because I want that sense of community. So I think that was a huge mistake. But again, I didn't know. I think early on, like just silly things like, you know, 
and this is exactly why I preach, like don't waste money on an expensive logo for a product business before you really have your idea, before you understand your audience. And so things like, you know, I wasted money on a website. Like I wanted, I knew my subscription box was going to be very high end. And so I knew that you needed a great website. So I like tried to find this website developer to create this amazing website for me. I did so much research. I had the whole thing mapped out. I was like, okay, I want this section to look like this area of grays.com's website. And I want this section to look like barkbox.com's website, everything mapped out. And he did like 10 hours of work for me. And, you know, he messaged me being like, Hey, Carrie, I was playing around with these colors in this section. And I'm not sure if I like it and just like wasting money by the hour. And it, it was, I spent like Mm. $2,000, no no website. He did almost nothing because he was just experimenting and all that. So that was a massive mistake, but I didn't know any better, you know? So I think that's a big mistake. I think another mistake was, and this is, is exactly why I preach in my business now, like for the first six months, eight months, I really focused on Instagram. Okay. And while I don't think it was a hundred percent a mistake because I was still learning what to do. And I was really doubling down on one customer acquisition channel. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking like big picture enough. I was just kind of like, all right, I'm getting customers. Instagram's working for me. But what I should have been doing is doing all the other things like building up my SEO, creating blog content, just growing my email list. So yeah, that's I think it's a bit of a mistake, but again, like that's why I do what I do now to teach people don't do those things. Yeah. I think that some of the big, it's not a difference, but one of the biggest differences I think between a product-based business and a service business is you as a product business owner have to focus on SEO searches, everything. And you, I know like, you know, as a service-based entrepreneur, we're like, Hey, focus on one social network and, you know, do, you know, do something that you do really well and then stick with that. And even now my philosophy is changing a little bit. Like I do feel like, yeah, find your social network that you can do really well at, but I'm like, you have to do stuff for your business on properties that you own and you don't own Instagram. You don't own Facebook. So if you don't have a blog, then it's like, you have to have an email list and preferably you would want to have both. So you told us about some of the mistakes you made. So what were some of the, like, give me like maybe the top three biggest things you implemented that actually made the business into the success that it ended up being. Okay. So I think one is just to backtrack is I, when I was coming with my business idea, I really, really niche down and I found a business like, so again, I started a pet subscription box. There were already hundreds and hundreds of other pet subscription boxes. And so I really did a lot of research and due diligence and dissected all of my competitors to figure out where's that little opportunity that exists that I can take in. And so I'm not copying everyone else. I'm not blending in. So I really chose a different idea. My subscription box focused on accessories. And that was the only one that offered dog bandanas and dog bow ties. And so that was my thing. And there was no one else doing that. So I really focused on doing something different. And I think that hundred percent set me up for success because I wasn't just blending in with everyone else. I think the second thing is I, let's see, I think again, like after the first six months, I really focus on multiple channels of acquisition. So I worked on my SEO. I created blog content. I started an affiliate program. 
I, you know, had customer referral programs. I just implemented all these things to get customers from multiple places. Yeah. So I wasn't only focused on one channel and I can say like, especially the affiliate program, that was a game changer. So an mm-hmm. affiliate program enabled me to get my business on places like Buzzfeed, you know, business insider, like Forbes, like basically all these places. Cause they're all like, they're all affiliate things. They, yes, they will publish about your business, but it's also a way for them to make a commission. And so for me, that was a game changer because I literally was on Buzzfeed. I don't even know, like 10, 20 times maybe. And they literally wrote like, they literally wrote articles about my business and then they compared that to other subscription businesses. And so, yeah. So anyone who's listening, if you have a product business, you have to do an affiliate program. It is a game changer. And the other part of an affiliate program is that it helps you get backlinks. So you get all these bloggers writing about you, bloggers, YouTubers, businesses, like, you know, like, again, like the Forbes.com and all that. And so that helps your SEO that helps Google push your stuff out. When people search for something that's related to your product, you actually show up higher on Google. So it's honestly a game changer. And then I think like, let me see. I think the third thing is I really worked hard to create a sense of community with my customers. I talk a lot about customer super fans and that's something that I a hundred percent implemented with my business. I, I knew, okay, it's cheaper for me to retain my customers. So I get a customer. How do I retain them for six months to one year instead of losing them after one month? So I feel like I did a lot of things to build my super fans and get my customers involved in my business and my brand. And I, again, I think that's a game changer because when you, when you treat your customers well, they not only come back to you and buy again and again, but they tell friends and family. Everyone. They gift your stuff to everyone. Yeah. They They, they gift to friends and family at holidays. They write reviews for you. They post Mm -hmm. pictures of their kids or their dogs or themselves opening up stuff on social media. So tag you in it, all of it. Yeah. People underestimate the power of treating your customers like your family because it is it's it's weight in gold so I think that actually should be my number one thing that I did but that's just how it popped into my head so yeah yeah, it's so important thank you for sharing that because I feel like so many people do forget that there are so many things that you can that you are in control of it's not always just the sales it's like the little things that you do that set you up naturally for a sale I, I feel like we're both very similar we're not like aggressive salespeople, but we do both agree on the experience that people have mm-hmm. we agree on how you should treat people and we definitely agree on the basis of marketing like SEO and all of those things and it's because we're both marketing people so I love that and I wanted to have happy to have another marketing person on because I'm like I need marketing people like Madison was my first guest and she was a marketing person too all the marketing people are sharing like this is how you do a business so that you don't actually overspend which is a big thing because you you didn't mention ads or anything did you have funding or anything for your business No, I had no funding, no ads. And when I say no ads, like I did, I experimented, I think once on Instagram for like a holiday. So I maybe Mm -hmm. spent like a couple hundred dollars on ads, but that's it. We all do. We all try. Yeah. My business was a hundred percent organic, no funding. And again, like, should I have tried to get funding or crowdfunding or something? Yes, I should have. And if I ever do another subscription box business, which I do have an idea. Um, <laughs> of course I, you do. <laughs> I, 
I would try to get some kind of a funding and whether that worked or not, I don't know. But yeah, my, my entire strategy was literally bootstrapping, being scrappy, being resourceful, being aggressive with, you know, vendors, getting better pricing on products that I bought. So I had my little tricks that I did. It's so crazy how you developed a whole, like listening to you, like negotiating (laughs) with vendors now, like what, who are you, Carrie? (laughs) I love that though. So, okay. I buy your product, but I can only spend $1 and I want free shipping. Um, And I want the product. Oh my God. I know because I had to be aggressive. Otherwise, you know, vendors will, will say, Oh, we'll give, you know, cause generally when you're doing product, you buy it from people for let's say wholesale, which is going to be around 50% off the retail price that you would pay in a shop. But that's not enough. Like if you just buy wholesale pricing, you're not going to make enough for your subscription box. So I would have to like negotiate that down, get better pricing and then throw in other things. Like I was crazy. And it's funny because I'm not an aggressive person at all. This is so funny (laughs) here. Like, I I don't think we've ever talked about this. So I'm like in shock. Like you're negotiating with vendors that would stress out. I know. It's so, it's so funny. And I teach that to my students that I work with too. I'm like, you have to negotiate pricing. Otherwise you're going to get not taken advantage of. I was going to ask you if you teach this to your clients, which we'll share at the very end. Like Carrie is obviously now a product business coach. We have to talk about that because I'm like, you have to teach people that craft. Okay. So business ended up booming. How much would you say during your time managing this business, what did you end up like netting in your business? Like what did you end up making? Cause it was pretty, it was like successful, like legit successful. <laughs> yeah. So I, so again, like just to give frame of reference too. So my first, you know, my, my first month I made $900 in sales And while that's not a lot of money, I was very happy with it because it was business and like, I had no idea what I was doing. You know what I mean? No idea. And then I basically started growing and growing and growing. And I think it was by this a year later or the second year I was doing like 10,000 months. And then that basically slowly grew to 20,000 months. So I basically, I think the last, I think it was the last year in business. I think we we did a little bit over like 200,000, but it was basically close to 400,000 in sales in like two years. So it is, it is crazy just because again, like I didn't have funding. I had no idea what I was doing. Like I really didn't have any idea what I was doing. I had a marketing background and I had So I'm not an aggressive person, but when it comes to something that I want, that's when I'm aggressive. Like I knew coming in that failing was never going to be an option and I would figure out a way to do it. And so that's kind of what I did. So it is crazy that I did that all by myself. I had no staff, no outsourcing. Like, yes, I might got, I may have gotten help on like a random social media graphic that I did for Black Friday or something. But like for the most part, everything I did was on my own learning, making mistakes. So it is, it is crazy because a lot of clients that come to me, they've had their business for years and they're, you know, making like a thousand dollars a month or 2000. So it is sometimes funny to look back and say, like, I really did do a lot of things right. Even though I think we're always so hard on ourselves to be like, you know, I didn't do this right. Or I I I've done this the first time sooner. Yeah. It doesn't matter because you really did build a very successful business. But so I know that you 
you had a kid though. So how do you think that that, that business, because you were going hard, how do you think it, how, how did you balance like motherhood and entrepreneurship at that time? I don't know. I don't think there was a balance. Okay. So when I first started my business, we were living in Southern California and I actually, so this is the other funny part. I only did this part-time for the first year and a half. So I, (laughs) so the first year and a half we were living in California and my son started. So when I started this business, he went and started daycare. So he did two days a week two yeah, two days a week in daycare. And then he was home the other three. So that, so then he was home with me and then I would work with my business during like nap time and things like that. So I think like the sense of balance was better when I lived in California. Maybe it wasn't, I can't remember, but Basically, like I worked a lot on the weekends. I worked pretty much all the time. So I don't think I had a great balance. Then we moved to Seattle a year and a half later. And then I, and then he went to school full time. And so then I could work on my business full time. And that's definitely like a big growth spurt in my business too. Cause it's like, you can't always do a business like that part time. like, you have to really go all in. And so I feel like when we lived in Seattle, that was, I think I had no balance. Like I just worked all the time. And because I was doing the business out of my house, I had product everywhere. It was like always in my face. And so I felt like no separation. So yeah, I, I didn't, I don't think I did a good job with balancing. So I did my best, but I think it's hard because like people like us were multi-passionate. We are obsessed with our businesses. And especially when you have a product business, you have a tangible item, Mm-hmm. that you created, like you created the packaging, the design, the logo, the brand, it's even more powerful. I think maybe not, yeah. but no, I would think so. I would be obsessed. <laughs> yeah. I was definitely obsessed with my business. And, you know, I think I made a lot of mistakes with that. Like I didn't, I should have outsourced things. I didn't need to be packing and stuffing and shipping my boxes when we were getting to the quantity that we were doing, you know? So yeah. I, I think I made a lot of mistakes in terms of like not outsourcing and things, but yeah. You made it work. Balance is a hard word. I think I hate the word balance, but I always ask if you felt like you were able to balance because I feel like so many of my listeners, you know, this is a new podcast, but I know eventually because people always ask me about like my kid or something. I feel like I want to talk with successful people who also have children because it's like, what sacrifices are we making? How are we feeling? How do we get over? Do you feel like now as so, so before I go to the next question, still about motherhood, I'm going to go back. So you eventually sold the business, right? Yep. I sold it. Okay. What made you sell that business and start a new business? And how, how did you know it was time to do that? So I had actually been thinking about potentially selling it for like seven months, eight months before I actually sold it. I just like, I love my business. I think part of it actually was the balance part. I think I was getting to a point where it was, I either had to go to a fulfillment center and have my boxes outsourced to a different packing center, or I had to kind of get to the next level of scale. So try to get funding and things like that for my company. And I just, I don't know. I think I was again, like kind of just at that point where I think I just was ready to maybe do something else. And it sounds weird because you literally pour your entire life into a company and a product, and then you can just walk away from it. It's weird how that can happen because that's exactly what I did. But yeah, I think I was just partly ready to kind of do something else. I knew deep down that I always wanted to end up helping other people with their launching a subscription box business. So part of me kind of had that on the back of my head. Like I was kind of ready to do something like that. But yeah, I think it was just like, I 
went in so hard for two and a half years. I think I was just kind of burnt out feeling like I was ready to just make some changes and do something else. So I had come across a girl who was a subscription box broker, which sounds funny. She basically helps subscription box businesses sell their business. Oh my gosh. That's so I found her from a Facebook group that I was in. And because I would see her always posting about like selling your subscription business. So I literally reached out to her and I was like, you know, I'm interested in this. How, like, how does it work? Like what, what are the, what are the steps? So I worked with her kind of off and on for months before we actually sold the business, but you know, it's, yeah, it happened kind of quickly once we actually like posted the business online and all that. I talked to a few people, I met a few people in person that were interested and then we, you know, got the buyer. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. I would say like starting the business was such a happy part of my life, but then selling the business was like a different, so happy, but like in a different way, it was sad, but also, bittersweet. oh my God, like to get that, <laughs> to get like the, you know, escrow payment notification. Yeah. I remember sitting on my couch when it popped into my email and I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know. Like you, it's sold my business. Like, wow. It's a crazy feeling just, and also just to get like a chunk of money. Yeah. Saying, I didn't like, you know, I didn't like make a ton of money, but you know, enough that we could help put a deposit on a house in Seattle, which is very expensive. So, you know, just to get something for all your hard work yeah. um, is, is amazing. It's, it's, yeah, that was a truly like weird, amazing experience. So you're such a grown up Carrie. <laughs> I had to ship ship, like, I forget if it was $14,000 worth of inventory and boxes to the new buyer. So I actually have a picture. I think I posted this on my Instagram. I've seen you post it through your Instagram. My husband like standing next to a massive pallet that was just filled with packages and boxes of crap. And like that day that we had to ship all the inventory was so ridiculous. My mom was, my mom had come to help us and, you know, we had this shipping company that was out. And again, we lived in Seattle, so there's not a lot of space. And there's like a massive truck, like blocking the whole street. And we're trying to like get all these boxes on pallets, but they weren't the right size. And we were like running to the hardware store to get like all this packing tape so we could pack the stuff together. So it didn't fall off the pallet. It was so ridiculous. That is so crazy. <laughs> I love it. But so you, so you ended up send, selling the business do you, and then you started this current business that you have, which is, you know, you're a product business coach, which such a needed thing. Like I get a lot of people, if they ever reach out to me and they have a product business, I'm like, nope, talk to Carrie. <laughs> it's, it's such a different ball game. Like I just can't even begin. I, I, I'm like, no, I'm not an expert on products. I'm business to business. I help businesses sell to other businesses. Like that's my thing. So back to the motherhood thing. Do you think with the new business, do you think that you have figured out a lot more of how to better balance, maybe not have it completely balanced, which I don't even, I don't know if I will ever be balanced as a mom and as an entrepreneur because we're career people. But do you feel like there is a better relationship that you have with your time and spending it with the kiddo and feeling how you feel as a mom with this new business now that it's a different pace and or just a different genre of things? Yeah, I think yes and no. So I think I'm still actively working through how to be better balanced. I've 
I feel like I've learned a lot through the you know few programs I've done this year and I've learned to outsource. That's a huge thing for me because I'm such a control freak. And again, I think I a lot of the mistakes I made with my first business, I now don't make in my second business. So I outsource, I invest in coaches and mentors who can help me get to the next level. So I think those things have really helped me in terms of like managing my time and helping me. Okay. I don't need to do everything. I just need to do the most important things and outsource the other stuff. So I think that's helped me with balance. Again, I think, yes, I have a better sense of balance now just because I've started to implement boundaries, which I didn't before. And so like, I remember being out one time, you know, always checking my email, getting customer service email from a customer that was mad about something and like feeling like I always had to deal with it right there on the spot where now even like on the weekends, if I get a Voxer message from a client, I might just look at it and then just say, okay, I don't need to respond because I've set up boundaries in my business where I don't need to actually respond to you until Monday morning. So I, I try, try to, to be better about boundaries so I can actually have more time like with my son, but it's something that I'm definitely not great at. I'll be honest. I love working. And oftentimes like, you know, mom, I want, let's go outside and play. And I'm like, oh, in a minute, let me just finish this. Like, it's like the, let me just, and then whatever the hell you think is important when maybe it's actually not important, you know? So I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm always trying to be better, but I have not mastered the balance thing at all. Not at all. I like to see that you do cute things with him though, that I, I want to start doing with my kid. Like you guys cook little things together, which I think (laughs) is adorable. (laughs) If you have mommy needs to get coffee, come with me on my little Starbucks run. And like, I do that with Liam. I, he gets a cake pop every time he knows. And you know, sometimes the Starbucks have like little fancy, like cute ones, depending on where you are. Like there's a Starbucks in my target and they have the target dog as a cake pop. And my kid gets it every time. Cause he's like, it's the dog. So just seeing you do little things like that inspired me. And I'm like, how old? Cause your kid's like a year older than mine. So I'm like, okay, I can do little cute things like that. And it'll make me feel like a better mom. <laughs> Cause I know, I know I'm, I know I'm a good mom. Like I'm a good mom, but I would like to be a great mom. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be a great mom, but just hearing the stories of other women who have children, I think is inspirational because we get so much shame when we're not obsessed with our kid and just doing everything with our kid. And I feel like it's healthy for our children, especially like these generations of kids to see moms working and it's okay to prioritize success as long as you're you're fed you're happy you feel loved and mommy is definitely doing those things I may not run to you every time you need attention you know but you will eventually get that attention and we will have special moments together and I feel like you're doing that with your son too yeah no I agree and I'm laughing too because in fact my son sees me and my husband working a lot like I think we both do work too much I think I'm definitely trying to be better about that. But he is all into like, I want to have a business. Like I want to work. I, I, in fact, one day, I think it was like a month ago. He, I forget what I was working on. God knows what. And he was like, I want to, let's, I want to start a business. I want to start a business. And he's five. Like he doesn't really know what a business is, but he sees me working and all that. And I do believe in like, at least for me, like, you know, again, moms can do whatever they want. I'm not judging at all. But I also believe like it's healthy for a kid to see their mom having their, doing their own thing, you know, mm-hmm. their own rules. And so for me, that's important for him to see, but he was basically like, start a business. So I was like, okay, what business can we start? So we actually have a Google drive folder 
called Milan's business. And we actually started working on like a little, <laughs> we started working on like a little, like a book that we could self-publish on Amazon. So, so cute. I'm going to cry. I will buy Milan's book immediately. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that Liam is similar, not about starting the business, but he, we were listening to my podcast today in the car and he was like, that's you. Right. And I was like, yeah, he was like, well, why don't I have, why is my voice not on the radio? And I said, do you want to start a little kid podcast where you can record five minute episodes? And he was like, yes. So I think I might let him, I was going to do like the YouTube channel, but I'm like, I don't have time to effing edit these videos for my kid, which, you know, it's going to take a lot of editing if you're filming a child, but I think a little tiny little kid podcast would actually be the cutest thing. And parents can let their little kids listen to something in the car besides their little kid annoying music. And I think it would be adorable. I don't know what he's going to talk about, but I think I'm going to let him do like tell little stories or little anecdotes because he's so every time I'm filming myself doing something, he wants me to film him too. And I do think that it's great to show them to have a sense of accomplishment and to have like their own little things. I yeah. think really adorable that he wants to start a business and you you made a folder like that's cute you know i'm gonna make liam a folder now right <laughs> totally making liam a folder well i want to kind of i mean this has been such an inspirational conversation that i think um i get so many people that come talking to me about products i'm like i can't help you but i know someone who can so i think this is going to be great because i those people still follow me because i talk about premium branding but having you on here i think is going to be really helpful so to wrap up your, to have them hear your expertise one more time, what is one piece of advice you would give anyone who is starting a product business and one piece of advice you would give someone who's starting a service business that you wish you had before you started those businesses? Because you've done both, which I think is rare to have a successful product business and then to turn around and also have what I would consider a successful service-based business. I mean, you haven't been doing the service-based business for very long and you're already doing really well. So what is one piece of advice you wish you had about starting both? <sighs> okay. My gosh. Okay. I'll start with the service one because I'm doing that now. I think if I could get one piece of advice, oh my God, there's so many things like I think two things. One, try hard not to compare yourself to other people, which is impossible. And I don't think if someone had told me that beforehand, that would have made a difference. And I think two, grow your email list. For a service business, I think it's so important to have an email list. And even if you're focusing on, you know, Instagram or YouTube or whatever, having a place where you can grow an email list is so important. I feel like that's really boring advice. Like no, it's great advice. I just told my people. I'm, so, you know, Instagram blocked me from doing Instagram lives, which is how I was doing most of my video content. Video is how I have grown my business. It's how I've gotten speaking engagements. And I was so hurt that they blocked me for who knows why. And it was just gone for like a week, which isn't that long, but it was torture for someone like me. And I was thinking about what would happen to my business if I get 90% of my leads or I attribute to Instagram specifically, what would happen if 90% of my leads were gone? And I, I was like, I can't have that happen. And what is something that I can commit to the email? Cause all I'm doing is repurposing my Instagram content. If I could just take time out to do my email, so yeah. I think, although it might sound boring, if people don't listen to that one very simple piece of advice, they are missing out on the possibility of what happens if Facebook or Instagram or whatever platform you've committed your life to decides to 
take something away from you, what's going to happen to your business? And so that is excellent advice. So what about for the product business, people who want to start a product business? So for, I would say like, if you're starting a product business, know your ideal customer, like the back of your hand and niche your idea down. So if your business idea is like creating a product for females, 20 to forties, and there's no other information, like that's not enough. So do your research, know your competitors and do something different. If they're charging $20 for their product, you charge 40. Like you have to differentiate yourself drastically in your business. And I would say if you're growing your product business, the biggest advice I can say is be on multiple channels. So do your SEO, optimize your website for search, sorry, grow your email list, and go on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. But, you know, it's so important for the stability and safety of your business to be on multiple channels. And again, like one of my clients this is a true story. One of my product business clients, they, their Instagram account just got disabled. Like it's, it's gone. They lost 11,000 followers just Ooh. overnight over something that really wasn't their fault. It was a really a small issue with something and we're working to like get the account back if we can. I have no idea. And they just lost 11,000 followers. But why am I not right now crying or curled up in a ball? Because we actually acquire customers from other places. 90% of their traffic comes from Pinterest. They have blog posts that we wrote two years ago that are getting 5,000 visitors a month. You know, we have an email list. We do all other customer acquisition things. So if we lose Instagram, like it's more of a headache and not a catastrophe. Like their business isn't going to, to change where other product people, if you're only doing Instagram, you're not setting your business up for safety. And like you work so hard on everything. So I would say the best advice is do other things to get customers. And even if that takes you, you do one thing at a time, that's fine. But you have to set your business up for safety, I would say, and success. I love that, Carrie. That like hit me in my soul. <laughs> well, where, so tell everybody where they can find you and tell them how they can get your coaching. I know you started a group program when you were in my program. And I, I feel like these are people who are probably going to be listening like, okay, I want to do what she did. <laughs> So tell us where we can find you on social and then what programs do you have that are available? Hey, so I, you can find me at Instagram, carrie.a.fitzgerald. It's K-E-R-R-I-E. And then, or my website, carriefitzgerald.com. And then in terms of programs, so I have a few things. I do have my group coaching program, which I love. And I did start that in your program. So thank you. And that focuses on three key areas of marketing to grow your business. So we focus on Instagram, email marketing, and working with affiliates and influencers and affiliates. And it's a 12-week program. It's my, my little baby. I love it. So that's currently what I'm working on now. And then I have other courses and DIY things that um, I offer as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching for people that just want some more handholding. And yeah, if you go to my Instagram, you can find all that information and I would love to help any of you. Yay. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode. I can't wait to share everything. I will make sure every link is in the show notes. And yeah, again, thank you for being with me today, Carrie. Thank you so much. It was so fun. 
you love this episode as much as I have, then subscribe to the Revolutionary CEO podcast on iTunes and leave me a review to let me know what you enjoyed the most. For premium pricing and branding tips and training, connect with me on Instagram. I'm at Atelier Letitia. That's A-T-E-L-I-E-R-L-A-T-E-S-H-A. And be sure to follow the podcast Instagram account at Revolutionary CEO to show my guests and me some love. Talk to you next week.